welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by me, Michael Batnick, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Island Park. Island Park. Did you grow up at Jordan Lobster? Jordan's Lobster, my dad's really good friends with Steve Jordan. We used to go there a lot. I like a place called South Shore Fish, okay. which is another what, fish is spot in, in Island Park. You, you could eat there? Yeah. Okay. South Shore Fish is it's called Artie's. Uh, that's like the best. Are you a pescatarian? No. You look like one. A pescatarian. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a pescatarian. I do eat a lot of fish, though. I, the majority of what I eat, I think I eat a lot of fish. I think Island Park is like three square blocks. Small. It's like tiny. Small. I listened to the conference call for Facebook, and this analyst, he's a good guy. This guy You're getting beaten up. Oh, dude. This guy, Mark Mahaney, comes on the, you know, the part of, on the conference yeah. call where the analysts are like allowed to ask questions. Right. So he goes, this is in the midst of the stock down 25%, like in free fall. His question is, what kind of progress are you guys making on ESG? Like right. how many women do you have on your board or whatever? And I, I start hysterically laughing on the train. Oh, this yeah. is a company that's literally overturning governments. Right. Um, but socially, uh, they're doing it – oh, sustainably. They're doing sustain- it sustainably. They're sustainably fomenting uh, uh, coups. And like you think about like all of the things that they're trying to do. Right. Which is get you addicted to this dopamine hit. Yeah. And just keep plugging into it. This dystopian nightmare. They're but are you in. ESG? Like, but are you ESG? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Are you ESG? So you guys have a wealth management company. Yeah. And you deal with clients. Yeah. Is it, would it be considered like a hedge fund or would it, it's not really a hedge no, fund? No, no, no. We're doing the opposite. We're okay. like financial planning first, which is basically helping people figure out what they want to do with their money. Yeah. When? What are the tax ramifications? How much do they want to leave? I met with a dude at Goldman who, a friend, she's like a sort of comedian. You know her, Haley Sachs. Oh, not at Goldman. Mrs. Dow Jones. Yeah. No, she's not. But her dad is. Okay, yeah. Her dad's like a big wealth management guy at Goldman. I love Haley. And we had a breakfast at the Mark, and he was talking to me about, you know, and and I make a real good amount of money, but I, I think like, you know, those guys, like to them, it's like, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like, usually it's like 10 million to just kind of get in. I'm like, oh, no, this is. Yeah, because they're well, this they, is not. They're doing because they're doing like, like sovereign wealth. Yeah, I was like, I appreciate it. And thanks yeah, yeah. for the yeah. eggs Benedict. But I'm like, we're not there. So so what's funny about Haley Sachs's dad. Yeah. Working at Goldman Sachs. Yeah. The names are spelled differently. But it's hilarious. But it didn't hurt him. But it, but it doesn't. I don't know his name. Let's right, say, Haley, if you're listening, I love you. Let's say it's Henry Sachs of right. Goldman Sachs. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, okay. He was a nice guy, but yeah. Um. So basically, wealth management is like making sure that people are investing in such a way that it actually correlates to the life they want to live. Right. Versus a hedge fund is like the S and P is going to go up ten percent. I'm going to try to do fifteen. Gotcha. For regular people, that's, or it's going to go down ten, and we're going to try and be down nine. We're gonna, right. We're going to four. <laughs> Or we're going to try to make money on the way down and the way up, which right. doesn't really work. But uh, that's the hedge fund. That's the hedge fund biz. We're more like regular people. What are they actually trying to pay for in the future? Right. How much will it cost them? So your thing is like, it's like if you don't have any balls, yeah, get basically, in. Basically, you know, if you just have no. Well, 
It's so that depends I like on the client. Gambling. Yeah. I like a good gamble. Well, I did that for 10 years. I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you and I, I was telling somebody yeah. here, you and I have a very similar origin. Well, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, but I started in the Long Island brokerage firms. Wow. Which was catering to gamblers, basically. That's right. You would cold call business owners all day. It w- you would make 500 phone calls, 50 people would speak to you. And of those 50, 10 of them would actually let you speak. Five of them would be qualified to actually invest with you. But they weren't really looking for investments. They were looking right. for what's the next stock that's going to go up, you know, 50%. Did you start when like Stratton Oakmont was I was thing? right after all of that. Wow, okay. So I worked for guys that worked there. Okay. Um, but they were trying to clean up their act. But the thing is, the business is just not that good of a business if you're doing it the right way, which only took me, I'm smart, right. so it only took me 10 years to figure that out. Cold calling business owners is tough. Well, now you can't do it. But yeah. back then, people were excited to hear from brokers. Now you can't do it at all. Who's, who answers the phone? Right. That's la- a good point. What was the last time your phone rang, you didn't know the number, and you were like, Well, oh, before TD Ameritrade, I like, hey. I <laughs> always answer because I oh, like yeah, to have yeah. fun, but. Before TD Ameritrade, like, that's how people bought stocks. That's got, right. They, if you they were sold. Picture this. Like, I started when I was in college. I started, uh, I started working for a guy who I think he was making 100 grand a month. He, his job before this was a bouncer. Right. So my dad plays golf with his dad. I don't know what to do with my summer after freshman year. So he's like, go work for this guy's son. He's making fucking six figures a month. So the assumption is like, all right, so this has to be legit, right? How could you make that much money? And they're all wearing suits, like dressed to the nines. Yeah. And the office is on Third Avenue, uh, like top floor, and everything looks, it looks like you would picture Goldman Sachs would look. Right. But the difference is- well, a lot of differences. But so they say, all right, here's a stack of business owners on index cards. Spend the whole day calling them. Find somebody that wants to talk to me. So you, know, what, so, yeah. so you do that. And then this guy calls that person back the next day. And that person's excited because it's a guy that owns like an industrial facility in Indiana. Right. Somebody from Wall Street is calling. Right. It's it's exciting. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And now, obviously, it sounds ridiculous in today's context, but that was a business. My When I started mortgages, the guy that owned the company told me, brought me in his office, and he goes, listen, he was 24. He was probably making 100 grand a month. And he said, I was an ecstasy dealer. My <laughs> lawyer told me, I can't get you out of this if you get caught again. Okay. He goes, you got to do something else. So he goes, I do this now. And that was the beginning of the, my career. Right. And I was just like sitting there. It was like a, a motivational speech, Oligary V or whatever. And he goes, I knew that I couldn't sell ecstasy anymore right. because I would go to jail for a very long time. Yeah. So now I sell mortgages. Sub-run. There was a place right by the Atlantic Beach Bridge. There was a parking lot where there yeah. was mortgage brokers and there was a bunch of idiots driving Porsches in like 2005. That was every por- yeah. uh, parking lot in yeah. Long Island. Yeah. yeah. So that, it's so funny that you say that. Long Island has the same... Uh, archetype, like this young man yeah, in his 20s. Fit, l- like us. Lightly educated. Lightly educated is a great term. Lightly educated, meaning like yeah. maybe a little bit of Nassau community. A little college. A little bit, but not in too much. Out. Not too much. And then what happens is their their older brother or the guy down the street or the person that their dad plays golf with their son, whatever, Brings them into like, hey, what what are you doing right now? Oh, I'm just bartending. I don't really know yet. Right. Tell you what, put on a suit, come interview. So in the 90s, that's stock brokerage. That's the shit that I That's learned. right. 
after the dot-com bubble blew up in 2000, interest rates went to zero, 1%, 1%, wherever they dropped them to, and all of a sudden there's a mortgage boom. That same young man, his younger brother, is a mortgage goes broker. to the same office building in Woodbury or the Jericho Quadrangle or yeah, whatever. the Huntington Quadrangle. The Huntington, all right, goes to the same building. The broker's cars are all gone, but it's all mortgage broker's cars, same right. cars. It's Porsches. Yep. The same aggressive Long Island attitude, yep. tactics, call the whole country. What do you mean we only talk to people a mile away? Right. I'm doing mortgages in Hawaii. F*** you. Right. right. That whole thing, the mortgage bubble blows up, bursts, 2007, eight. you have a financial crisis. In the wake of that, what does everyone need? Small business loans. It's the same person. What it's are they the doing? Guys. What are they doing now? That's what they're doing. Still small business. It's so loans. sick. They're doing high interest. It's like legal loan sharks. It's, wow. It's worse than loan sharks. At Why? least because at least like a loan shark will break your legs, not literally put your whole life out of business. Right. Like so now that what they're doing is like call up a guy that owns a diner. Yeah. And and basically like all of the, his personal assets get securitized. You make him a loan that you know he can't pay back, but he'll pay the juice for two years trying. Wow. It's like like an 18% uh, loan, like a, basically a credit card loan. And then after two years, it's like, all right, sorry, things didn't work out. But it's a cold calling mill. So they're always finding There's new desperate people. There's something about Long Island that just for whatever reason, and it, it shares a lot of similarities with Orange County, California, which is the- you know, the southern uh, county in California, south of L.A. Yeah. It's deeply, you know, conservative. Uh, it, it's uh, where subprime mortgages started. They started in Irvine, California, uh, with a company called Countrywide, which became the biggest lender, blue you chip. know, of, of blue, that. Blue chip mortgage lender. Yeah, blue chip mortgage lender. And they started in Irvine, California. And Irvine is very similar to Long Island, where it's a lot of nondescript office buildings on the side of a highway. And there's just a lot of young dudes that are willing to put on a tie yeah. and and try to, you know, better themselves in, in whatever way they can. So the sick thing is that my parents were, like, proud of me. Yeah, and so I have a job where I wear a, t a shirt and tie. That's right. After like not knowing what the hell I wanted to do. Right. And I actually can read. So like I have a leg up on a lot of the other people. Oh, that are, yeah. So then, then they're like grooming me to like be a manager. Right. Which if you don't own the firm, basically the manager doesn't ha actually have any power, but he's somebody that could be pointed to when things go wrong. Right. So I'm being groomed for that. You get a little maybe paid on volume bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so- so you're like the most trustworthy pirate on the yes. pirate ship, yeah. basically. So, but people in your real life, they're like, "What do you do?" Oh, I do stocks. Like I do, right. I do investments. So, yeah. oh wow, it's, like, it's no, a big it's, deal. It's not oh wow. It's a big deal to have a, a, a business card, yeah, and hand it to people that says loan specialist, right? Loan consultant, right? Terms that are blatantly fake, yeah. That have no. Were you a loan consultant? I was I was a lot of things. I was a loan specialist, a loan consultant. Right. We would say I, I would say I'm an expert in residential finance. Um, <laughs> yeah, we would go through the we'd run the gamut of things that right. I was. I was a uh, account executive. Right. For a that's little the, while that's there. The first thing that you started. A few months I was an account executive, but then I moved pretty quickly up to uh, you know specialist. I think what all these people share in common is Nassau Community College. We all went. I went to uh, Nassau Community. Same. I I Did met. You? The, no. the guy Never? that got no. me Loser. into mortgages was my debate partner. On the, I was on the debate, debate team partner. at NASA Community College. He had like a little debate team. And I was on the debate team and I was really good at it. And he goes, hey, you should do mortgages because yeah. he had a Range Rover. 
And I said, I want a Range Rover. And he goes, yeah, I'm a mortgage guy. He goes, you're really good at talking. You should do this. Yeah. So So I just came in and- so when you, so you were doing this at the height of the mortgage bubble too, like people yeah, wanted to talk to you. I started in two thousand part time two thousand four or five. Perfect. And I was in school. I dropped out of school, and then I rode the wave. I did well. I never made insane crazy money, um, but I rode the wave up until. I mean, I was there for the entire disintegration of that sector of the economy. And I watched it kind of, and that was the, a better education than college, in my opinion, seeing guys go from making $50,000 a month to delivering pizza. Yeah. That was a crazy mind. If I can say that. But even on the way, even on the way up, like I knew guys that were laying carpet. Right. And then a year later, they're literally making six figures. Crazy. um, Doing mortgages. And it's like, do you, what do you even know about mortgages? He's, I don't know anything about mortgages. I know how to get people to sign paperwork. That's right. And that went on for like people wanted, not six months. That people went on for like wanted five years. to sign it. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, yes, there was predatory lending. And yes, people were dealt with dishonestly. But there was also a lot of dishonest people right. that wanted money. Oh, like yeah. I, I talked about it on my show. I said, you know, the idea of a victim in that, because everybody's like, there were so many victims. And you go, yeah, but historically, look at what the term victim has meant, right? The Catholic Inquisition, all these crazy things where you were persecuted or murdered. In this time in history, being a victim meant someone lent you too much money. Yeah. That's probably one of the better ways to be a victim. I think there's like two kinds, though. There are people who just, somebody looks and sounds professional, and they assume that they're getting advice like even from yes, a mortgage, true. like oh well, this person thinks I should buy this million dollar house right. based on I can so, do it. So that's real. That's but what a real about victim. the people making thirty grand that are completely financially illiterate, like getting like totally f-ing abused. Yeah, that is unfortunate. But I would argue that that wasn't the reason for the crash. I I really don't believe that. I don't believe that subprime subprime was a very small part of the market. What people speculating with actual some financial literacy and pretty decent credit uh, who are able to leverage four or five homes and then just let three of them go. Yes. uh, Seem to be, you know, subprime was a small part of the market. and And yes, that's horrible. If you have no financial literacy, but the bigger problem was adjustable rate mortgages. Most people would have been okay if in two or three years that rate was consistent. A lot of them would have been okay. But nobody would have sold that consistent rate product to right. those people. Nobody, right. There's no money in it. And that is sad that there are people that had no idea that got bamboozled. Um, but it's just my opinion, and it, 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 not so much my opinion, but like the vast majority of people that I dealt with knew they shouldn't kind of have the money. Right. And they were like, it's a very American thing. We'll figure it out later. Yes. Totally. It's yes. the entire way we run our society. Like yes. down the road, we'll figure it out. We'll move in a tenant. Your side business that makes zero dollars will start making money. We'll figure out how to cover, you know, like right. we got a backyard pool coming. You'll teach swimming lessons, whatever it was. Yes. And and the, the thing is that everybody is doing that same thing. Right. So you're surrounded by people. You're at a bar. It's 2006. You're in someone's backyard at a barbecue, whatever. There's five guys there that you went to high school with. You know they're idiots. They're flipping houses. Right. How how are you doing? How do you have the money yeah. to have three homes that you're fixing up and selling? Because Tim's lending them money. Yeah. yeah. Tim, what do you I'm mean? doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's my fault. Well, you know, it was a great 
and this is funny, people laugh. There's a show, obviously, that everybody knows now called The Real Housewives Franchise. And in the first incarnation of it, it was in Orange County. And the right. first season of it, everyone in the show is connected to a failing real estate empire. Some some <laughs> subprime, one guy runs a title company, yeah. one woman's a realtor, right. and, and none of them are bright. And when I say not bright, I'm being quite you know, nice yeah. about it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm being kind of generous. You look at these people and you go, how are they? How do they have Amex How do they have that cars? house? How do they? Yeah. And then you start to realize that like they're, they were just riding this wave and then season two is all the bankruptcies. Right. And season three is all the divorces. And you go, it's such an interesting charting of. Don't you think that same thing is, is going to happen uh, mostly on the West Coast with technology? Sure. Like are all of these people who go work for a company six months later, the company IPOs for $9 billion. Right. Then the stock is, then the, then the stock gets killed. It goes, it's worth $3 billion. All of these people had all this wealth on paper. Right. It's not that they're not hardworking people or good people. There's nothing to right. do with that. They're in a wave that they don't control. Well, yeah. I mean, when you look at Justin Bieber paying a, a million dollars for a photo of an ape. Yeah. You go, how sustainable is that? It can't be. That's not a sustainable... I mean, it's it can't, it crazy can't when you think about it. I, I think the technology behind it is really interesting, transformative. People like myself that are creators that have, we make a living independently. I love the idea of more people being able to do that. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at the sustainability of it and you go, how many people are in it for the ape and how many people are in it to get rich? Well, the thing They're is, in like, it to Ju pump and dump. But, and but Justin Bieber can take a million dollars. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it once a week. That's yeah, but right. a lot more. So the story here is a lot more people can do it than you think. Very few people are taking thirty thousand dollars, or in the case of a board ape, fucking three hundred thousand dollars, right? And trans and buying Ethereum and then buying an ape, like Bieber's doing that. The right. celebrities are doing that. But the reason why this is more sustainable than you think is because it's all crypto money. So there's a site where you could like literally see how many people have more than 100 ETH in their wallet. Sure. Guess how many people? I'll how, tell you. How many? 42,000 have more than 100 right. ETH. So it's poker chips. Right. It's not dollars. Right. And board it's 100 ETH. I've got 300. What's the difference? But, right. here, but, here's, the, but here's the thing though. ETH is now cut in half from a Does, tie. But that doesn't matter though. No, it's it, a poker it chip. has to matter because if we're saying it's the poker chip, and instantly we devalue the poker chip by half. Dude, wrong. And that's less wrong. money for apes. Wrong. Actually, in the crypto meltdown right now, the NFTs are not budging. I know the, the denominator is Ethereum is going down, but the prices for, for bored apes and all this other shit, they're not budging. Is it the non-liquid market? I don't, I don't think there's yeah, real isn't ape it weird? price discovery. Isn't it weird oh, that, it's weird. Isn't it weird that it's not changing at all? Because there's Wouldn't not enough people transacting. Like your, like your house. Yeah. You don't know what your house is worth today. No. You know what you paid for it. You know what other houses in the neighborhood have recently sold for. Right. You don't know what your house is worth until you sell it. That's right. You have a good idea. This yeah. estimate is bullshit. Well, here's but the thing. Here's the thing. You say board apes, like how liquid are they? How All many right. board apes I'll were sold you. today? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So you've got a sale 38 minutes ago, 43 minutes ago, two hours, whatever. So it's fairly illiquid. But each one is different, it's, though. It's, it's fairly not illiquid. the same one. It's fairly illiquid. Hands. Hold on. But here's, here's where it could be like unsustainable. If some asshole is like... Right now, the floor is 99. If somebody's like, I want to, like, I need to sell yesterday. I need to sell immediately. I've got this loan shark that I need to pay off. I'm going to put the floor, I'm going to list it for 90th. And I'll undercut the floor by 90th. 
And then that's how like maybe this thing could like fall apart is people undercut the floor you don't, and just start getting You scared. don't think it could fall apart just eventually people Lack saying- of Bored. We're bored. Oh, totally could. That's totally what I think. Totally could. I mean, I, I think eventually people are going to go, okay, I've made a lot of money doing it. Or they go, the scam has kind of run its course. Let me cash out. People, or, or they make 80 versions of the same thing. So but people don't want 80 Next versions. week it's pregnant kangaroos. And a week later it's yeah. like, right? Yeah, like, but that's a straw man because nobody wants that. People want board apes right now. So you can't just come up with something new and displace this. You can lose interest. I was going to buy an ape. I was going to buy an ape for 290000 <laughs> I was going to get an ape. Well, what are you, why are you laughing? You, you just told me how sustainable say, it was. You see how this guy I just came alive just 15 minutes the into the podcast? The guy just You just went into the I'm brain both sides. the world. If tell ben, story, acted, tell if ben story. acted like this, you, you, yeah. you would cut the mic. Tell me My business manager is a, is a, a very desperate man. And he, um, he races like NFT horses and he's, he's, he's in big trouble. Oh, Zed one, that's sustainable. Yeah, right. Well, that's what he does. And everything I want to do, he always like talks me. He goes, well, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. I want to buy this house in Calabasas. I don't, well, I don't know. Is it really in Calabasas? But if I say I want anything with crypto, he moves the money to Coinbase immediately. So I'm like, I want a board ape. He's like, not a bad idea. I'm like, it's probably a bad idea. So he's like red-pilled. Like he's he's red-pilled on Twitter hard. all day. And, and I get it because I'm half red-pilled. Yeah. But I'm half... I don't know. I'm three quarters. I, I watch Peter Schiff at night to come down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it's important for me. Peter Schiff has uploaded on YouTube maybe 700 times in the past three years. And the title of every single upload is Meltdown Coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I just watch him to, to come down and to not to not pull the trigger on the ape. Yeah. Because you might need that two hundred ninety thousand. He makes some good points about yeah. the fact that. You know, 80% of people that hold Bitcoin or whatever have never sold it. And, right. you know, the idea that he's met people that have $100 million in Ethereum and won't sell it. And these are regular people. They turn 20000 into $100 which is yeah. impossible to do really anywhere else. And they're not pulling their money out because it's this religiosity, right? And then Schiff is like, you got to pull at least half out. Like, what are you doing? But the guy's like, well, I don't want to miss the billion. I, yeah, so I there is a religious— Oh, totally. You know Peter yeah. Schiff trolls his son on Twitter? You know about that? No, I love that. Oh, it's I, I love that. I actually, I endorse that. Is Schiff's son a crypto guy? Maniac. In a good way. I mean, wow. in terms of endearment. He, yeah, total laser eyed psycho. Yeah. So, Interesting. So I think, I think though, the more time you spend on Twitter, the more likely it is that you're going to have a very strong opinion about this whole crypto ecosystem. Right. Either strongly anti or strongly obsessed I don't like. I don't think you can be on Twitter six, seven hours a day like a lot of financial people are. Yeah. Um, Yo, wait. And not have a very strong. Hold on. This is this is this is gold. This is from September 2020. Peter Schiff tweeted against my advice. My son, and he tagged his son, just bought even more Bitcoin. Whose advice do you want to follow? A 57-year-old experienced investor, business owner who's been an investment professional for over 30 years or an 18-year-old college freshman who's never even had a job? What a Bitcoin what a do dick. But that. wait, he, he put a poll up. 80% said the kid. Oh, yeah, that's great. that's great. 80% said the kid. That's great. Cell phone. And since then, obviously, Bitcoin mooned. Well, not anymore. And gold did what did. Well, so I, I wanted to ask you, uh, so you must get pitched every day to be involved in these projects because one thing that all these projects have in common is they need like celebrity buy-in to be heard above the noise. Yeah. So like how many people are coming to you and being like, 
hey, we'll give you these coins. Just good talk amount, about that. A good amount. But I've always said I won't do an NFT until I'm very sure of like the value proposition. Like I won't sell something until I'm sure that it's worth it for people. Right? You're delivering something in exchange. Yeah. I, I, so, I want right, to know so exactly. Let's say, let's say yeah. you sold an NFT. The thing is, this is what I personally hate about it. We Not sold it, one NFT for five ETH back in the day, put it up, sold one. The guy wanted to own it. And I said to them, I said, we're doing this as a joke. Yeah. You can buy it. You know, it's a bit. And he bought it. And it's, hopefully it, it nobody, does worth may, money. Maybe nobody will ever buy it from you. So you just want to have we, to want to own it. Yeah. Right. I was like, this is what it is, but I'm not going to issue a coin or a card or anything until I'm like kind of. So, so Kings of Leon did this were one of the first bands to do an NFT. It made perfect sense to me. You're a huge fan of theirs. You'll buy whatever they say. Right. And then you buy it, and they're entitling you first row seats for one show a year. Great. That makes perfect sense to me. It's a fan right. club. And right. why shouldn't entertainers do that? Why not? Okay. The problem is if you do too much of that and you start issuing things and getting people to buy shit from you, then they fucking own you. Right. And then they're like, yo, I bought your thing. Why aren't we having lunch? I love like, freedom. Right. I love freedom. I hate overcommitting myself. You hate responsibility. I hate responsibility. Yeah, what, it, what are we doing? What are we, yeah, what mean, are we giving ourselves would, obligations? Yeah. In my world, in the creative world, if you overcommit, uh, you strain your creativity because right. you have to keep pumping out garbage. Um, I would rather put myself in a position where I was free to do what I wanted to do as opposed to issuing a token that entitles you to something that I may not want to do. Uh, or you want to do it now, but you don't want to, you don't want to do it forever. I may not want to do it in six months. Maybe That's we right. shouldn't pitch Tim our idea. Maybe yes. we should. All right. So forget it. Never mind. Never mind. What was your idea? I'm on the same page as you. And also you have, you have millions of fans that we at turn this the point. cameras off. We turn it back on in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, my thinking's <laughs> evolved. You have, you now have, I don't, know, I don't know if you talk about how many listeners you have, but- We do. Okay. How, how many listeners on a weekly basis to About the a million. And then the Patreon is like the super fans. About 40,000. Okay. For so, more than 40,000. So you're like a full-blown phenomenon at this point. Which, well, I don't know about that, but- well, it's I would a, say you are. It's a big show. Yeah. So yeah. now everybody wants you to be involved in their shit. And yeah. I think you're hilarious taking meetings and the Substack meeting was hilarious. Well, I, I'll take a meeting with anybody. Yeah. I like meetings. Yeah. I like conference rooms. I like lunches. I like the process. You like the pitch, too. I love the pitch. I love the process. I like to see you sweat. I remember doing that. Yes. I have the leverage because I have enough money to live and I don't care. Yes. So and now, that's what's fun. So now a lot of the things people are coming to you with, though, it's time-consuming shit. And yeah. you can't be funny and you can't be you and you can't, like— you need like hours to think of like, what's the next thing I want to do? If you're obligated all day and being pulled into meetings about things and how can you be yourself? Like you get to a point where you just can't be yourself and please everybody at the same time. Yeah. You got to safeguard, I think your time. Right. And that's harder and harder to do as we do more and more stuff. And I am interested, right? I am interested. Like if there is a good way to do a project that benefits people, I'm I'm all ears, but right. it can't just be let's figure it out later. It can't just be let's pump something to fifty thousand 
plus people. Yeah. And then later on, we'll figure out what it is. I want to figure out exactly what it would be. We've always tried, like, you know, I've wanted to do experiences for a long time that were non-traditional for people, right? Like, uh, we do this thing on my show called Fake Business, uh, where we have our, our hoodies, our merch. It's all fake business because so much of what goes on is fake business. It's the, it's the funniest thing I've ever We heard wanted to do a fake business convention, right? Oh Rent God. out a hotel, get a bunch of comics, get real real trainers, sales trainers and shit, comics, fake things, have people not know what was going on, get tickets to events, seminars, funny stuff. Yeah. We were going we wanted to do it and we and I still do. If I could find a way to issue an NFT or it pays for partially or it allows you access to something like that. Yes. That's a really good idea. We we we've always thought about like what would be, we thought about four-walling a restaurant on Long Island for two days, taking over the menu, the chef having it being like this weird comedy dining experience where the menu would be insane. We'd hire lunatics to work there. Like, it would be a really funny, like, going out in a Long Island so, restaurant. So what's, like, what's the everybody's got Trump hats, you're screaming. <laughs> well, it's it's been COVID so far. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, our idea was to basically, like, let's take over a restaurant and give people a Long Island dining experience oh, turned up to 11. Yeah. Like like the depressed waitress complaining about diabetes. Like Family-style Italian. Family-style Italian. Conspiracy QAnon. Crazy people. <laughs> people complaining about the neighborhood changing. Like, this, this, this experience that we've all had. Can you smoke at the table? So yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe the waitress will be smoking yeah. when she approaches your table. We wanted to do crazy shit. I still do. Yeah. I still do. I'm still excited you by the... When I was a, a comedian in New York, we rented a tour bus and we took... I sold tickets to it. It was this massive show at the New York Comedy Festival. People bought tickets and I took them on this crazy tour of New York and said all the stuff <laughs> that you couldn't say if you were a real tour guide. You know? Because I was a tour guide in New York, and I I would say those things, yeah. and I would get reprimanded every now and then. Do you do you remember uh, Tony and Tina's wedding? Yeah, like the, exactly. Like let's do, like let's do that. It's a dinner. You'll actually yes. get food. Yes, but everyone in the restaurant, you don't know if they're real people or or they're all of a sudden going to spontaneously set themselves on fire. So that's the type of stuff that my interest in the NFT stuff yeah. is because I do have those ideas. Mm. And I want to figure out an avenue to those ideas. But dumb, dumb question. Why can't you just sell a ticket for that? You can, but I think that there's probably a better, more efficient way to fund something like that, to pay people. Like the whole thing's in operation, right? Yeah. So the idea is like if people bought NFTs and then that money was used to, to create this event, everybody loved the idea of it. You could then sell your NFT to potentially a bigger fan who goes, no, 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 I really want to go. Whatever <laughs> you know, it is. You know like, what the problem yeah. is? You know what the problem is? I think you have to do this in Austin or California and bring Long Island to them. Because if you do this on Long Island, no matter how crazy the yeah. people you stack the room with, people won't get that. It's a performance. I don't think we'll do it on Long Island. Yeah. I think we would absolutely do it somewhere we else. We should export Long Island. To Alabama, to other places, yeah. Oh my God, that's the idea. So my interest in that area, in that arena, is like maybe there is a way to do it. You know, I could see comics funding a special, going. 
I have the capital where I'll fund my own special. But I can see a comic going, okay, I have X amount of fans. They all buy this NFT. I use that money to fund my special taping. That NFT comes with tickets to the special. Right. Things like that, I think, are really good. Want to own it. Your yeah. fans yeah. don't want a ticket stub. They want a digital representation of the fact that they're your fan and they went to yeah, your and I event. Think, by the way, I think that's a with, real thing. With the NFT, would would come would come with more than just a ticket stub. You would get things get with your it. Alarm be, code to your house. Uh, an alarm code to my home. There would be Joe Rogan's phone number. Right. There would be, uh, but there'd be On merch, chain. maybe merch specific but it also, to the It event. also helps, helps amplify what you're trying to do. Nobody's taking a screenshot of their ticket and tweeting it. Absolutely. With the NFT, everyone's like, oh, me too. No, the marketing is built in. Right. All of that is built in. They market for you. Yeah. So that's that's why I am spending time with people trying to figure out how to do it. Uh, you should totally I buy a board You should totally buy a board you're, uh, you're one of the I, biggest- Listen, I, don't make me move the market. <laughs> Bieber, Bieber thinks he can move the market. I make it a gutter cat. So when you when you look at like the daily ups and downs of the stock market, how, how close attention do you pay to like what people are investing in or what companies are saying? I pay a decent amount of attention, but I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, not by any means any type of- expert on anything. I, right. I, I look at it to know where things are going yeah. so I can talk about it. I'm interested in culture and society yeah. at large. Um, there's, I like characters. Yes. So Kathy Wood's funny. <laughs> yes. And, and, and Gary Vee are funny. Yes. I like big personalities. And then I'll, the entrance point both into of, this both stuff. Both of those two people should be on your show. But I agree. My entrance point into like, I love real estate. But my entrance point into real estate was these big realtors, people like Dolly Lenz in New York, these yeah, yeah. these big personalities that would, you know, have these crazy articles written about them in the New York Observer. And you'd read about them. And then from that, you would take an interest in the things they were selling. I feel a similar way about like I know more now about crypto and about Tesla and about all that stuff because From the personalities. Because I think Kathy Wood is very, she's very funny, very mild mannered, kind of Connecticut mom. But then she's like this <laughs> really like forward thinking, yeah. balls to the wall investor that will just risk it all. And there's something about that I respect. But she looks like a woman you'd see leaving church. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Getting into a Toyota Camry. In real life, one of the nicest people I've ever met. That I'm works, sure she's that works lovely. I'm sure she's lovely. Yeah. Um, she's a fascinating character. Yeah. People like her, I listen to them. I like Peter Schiff. Yeah. I like that he lives in Puerto Rico because he feels that he's too taxed here. Yeah. I like that he has been, I think there's a great uh, quote where it's Peter Schiff has predicted nine out of the last two recessions. Like, I love that. Every day is doom and gloom no matter what. Yeah. I love the commitment. Peter and I have the the polar opposite investment beliefs. Yeah. But the one thing I do respect about him is I think he actually lives what he says. Like moving yeah. to Puerto Rico. Like he believes his own bullshit. I yeah. really think he I really think he and I think I believe what I what I think, but I think he really believes that disaster is lurking around every corner all the time. And it's just a matter of yeah. minutes. So the the personalities to me are are fun. Yeah. And then from there. I get into the more of the, cause I don't love, I love making money, but I don't, I don't love the multiplying of money. Like I wouldn't be funny if I no. cared that much about. <laughs> That's how you cease to be funny. Yeah. You just yeah, can't yeah. care that much about it. But then I will look at these characters in that world and I go, this is great. You must love Kramer. 
I like Kramer, but I got bored with Kramer. You get bored with people. And and the reason I got bored, well, here's my favorite story about oh, Kramer. Kramer on on your show would oh, be yeah. amazing. I, I, I worked at a company called Accredited Home Lenders. Oh, yeah. They were I a subprime mortgage bank, according to Jim Kramer, with a good portfolio that was not going to be in trouble. And literally, we were all watching Jim Kramer in my Long Island office in Westbury on, on fucking corporate drive. And we're watching Jim Kramer, and he's going, a credit home lender is going to be okay. He's going to be okay because he goes, their balance sheet is great. It's a good company. They're blah, blah, blah. And he does this whole thing, and we're all like, we go out, we're all smoking cigarettes. We're like, this is going to be okay. The next day, we get an email that says- oh, All the brokers are like- Yeah, we're going to be yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. going to be okay. The next day, we get an email saying the company has ceased U.S. operations. <laughs> yeah, nobody's Literally, perfect. Literally, not 24 hours after Jim Kramer goes, they're good. Yeah. So uh, right after that, immediately, I was just like, oh, I get it. Well, listen- I think part of it is like, you're kind of like the Long Island medium, right? There's, you know, like she's pretending to talk to dead people- a lot of these guys are pretending it's to have a clue. It's, it's, it's entertainment. It's ESPN it's for not, stocks. It's not easy. Like, so here's what's weird about uh, finance. When you watch the, the NFL pre-show. Right. And Terry Bradshaw, and they're all like picking the games. They're like, oh, oh, I'm going with Mahomes. I say the Chiefs. And they go down the, and everybody says what they think is going to happen. That's it. Nobody calls them after and is like, I fucking lost my bet because of you. Right. I lost a, a three-team parlay because- but for some reason, when somebody is talking about stocks or maybe real estate, it's like, oh, this person just gave me advice. Well, also, but, right. the, but, the, stakes, no, but the stakes are much higher with stocks because people are betting at 500 bucks on the game, maybe. Right. With stocks, it's like their retirement money. Right. But this this is this idea that you sat in front of a, a, a TV or you listened to a podcast and somebody told you what to do with your money yeah, totally. that no, you've never it. met before. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the idea that you can't listen to a podcast and, and then be trusted to make a decision about your health, right? It's this idea of this 100%. infantilizing of people where their children who are easily led by whoever comes on TV or yeah, the it's, internet. It's kind of true. Well, but- It is, so, it is kind of true. But here's the deal. How much are you going to destroy society by instituting rules to protect those people? Truly. Yeah. Because you will destroy society. If you go around and you try to structure society with the idea that people have absolutely no common sense or, you know, uh, a self-agency, then you're going to restrict you have, right, the freedoms you have to have of a everyone. You have to have a balance. There's, yeah. there's, this, there's this like famous thing on Wall Street that people bring up every, every once in a while. Uh, Apple's the most valuable company in the world. It's worth $3 trillion. In 1981, I guess, or whenever the IPO was supposed to be. The securities regulators in the state of Massachusetts forbid their people that live there from being in the IPO. Like you, we will not let Massachusetts residents buy the IPO of Apple. It was called Apple Computer Corp or whatever right. at the time. And just this idea that like, not that people couldn't have bought it the next day when it was publicly traded, but just this idea of like, you have to have rules and you have to have a modicum of protection. Right. And when big money's at stake, you probably need more protection when health is at stake, but like, where do you, where does it stop? Well, this is why it's complicated. It's because it's health. And, yeah. and so I don't think it's right, but I understand, I understand why people are upset. Even if I don't agree with why they're upset. People are going to be upset um, for a myriad of reasons yeah. all the time. And yeah. if you make policy based on how people feel, you're going to be changing policy constantly. And you're going to be getting, I think uh, a kind of, it's going to seem 
like you don't have any values. Right. Like you're you're going to seem like you are being led by the dictates, the loudest of, voice. Yeah, you can't. You know, you can't govern a city based on Twitter. Yeah, you can't govern a city. You can't institute a policy about the police because it's trending on Twitter. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can't, as a politician, want to get more retweets and favorites than protect people from crime but that's right? the game that's the game right now that's the problem yeah but yeah. The, in the real world asserts itself and if you saw the turnout of new yorkers for uh the two dead nypd officers right. the turnout was unbelievable bigger than any stupid holiday parade that's right right like well because people are realizing that this is not the course of action to take yeah but it was such a persuasive marketing campaign on social media defund the cops, this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. None of it accomplishes the goal of a more equitable and just society. Right. None of it gets there. A right, lot of but people, a politician yeah. can get retweets. And but a politician can get retweets. They can get clout, for lack of a better word. They can become a favorite. They could, p People will start writing articles about them. Uh, they will go viral. They will build a personal brand off of slogans on Twitter the policies are quite murderous, you know? I mean, they they harm the, the people that they purport to help, and politicians don't care. Well, this is the problem with the internet. It's like you're pandering to the mob, and the mob could unite faster than ever before. And the mob is 4,000 people. Right. The mob is not even the mob. The mob right. is a tiny fraction of people that have appointed themselves to be guardians of the public interest. That's what the mob is there. If you look at the sheer numbers of, of you know, Twitter, I, I forget what it is, but it's 90% of content is, you know, generated by 10% of the users. The vast majority of people, even on the app, don't care enough to generate that content. Right. This is a small amount of content. So when you see Sarandos and people like that, they're smart enough to realize this is the minority of a minority of a minority I, I know trans people that didn't care at all. I know some of them that love Chappelle special. I know some of them that said, I had no issue with the trans stuff, but I, I didn't think it was that funny. I, and then I, I, I know obviously because I'm plugged into the world, know people that were very upset about it. But it's not everybody. But the problem is the way it's presented is that it is. Well, the I mean, we could we could do this. We I know I know you got other places to be. The media is laser focused on everything that happens on Twitter. So those 4,000 people in and of themselves may not be that many people, but then the amplification because like what is the media doing with the news? Mostly like things that start on Twitter. Well, it's like the media is like any, anybody else, right? They shipped a bunch of jobs in the 90s, manufacturing jobs out of the country. And, you know, the media is also losing work, right? The media is losing eyeballs. They're losing revenue streams every day. Like a lot of people that made money in the traditional media landscape are Substack. struggling. They're struggling to do it now. Right. You know? And that's why you should join Substack. They, yeah, that's why I will join Substack. You should be part of he that got, revolution. In fairness to him, uh, the CEO of Substack, he got back to me and said, we do have a money offer. <laughs> what, um, after, after your it's podcast? Not, it's not to buy you... <laughs> But we do have an interesting thing. So I'm going to talk to him again. Right. The, the, to buy our show, it costs a lot of money. Right. Is this real business or fake business? No, this is, well, we'll see. It's on him. I didn't know they wanted to host podcast. They want to do video with you? Yeah, they want to do it all. They want me to leave YouTube we and have Patreon. Friends, we have friends on Substack that, that fucking love it, by the way. Great. Uh, yeah. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy for them. Yeah, yeah.
give me money. Right. Or get the f*** out of here. Yeah. Uh, you're going to go see Alec Baldwin later? We're going to go see Alec Baldwin reach out. Okay. I'm doing his podcast at two. Okay. What uh, else? As a Long what Island I- guy, it's a, are you it's doing a show? Are you doing shows right now? Not a ton. Okay. I'm doing, I, I'm popping in to do a 10 minute set here and there. Oh, I saw you. Like a quick Omicron set. Just, just. Where was, <laughs> where was that, Omicron. spread? Where was that, pl- where was the venue that I saw Tim at? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. On the upper side. Upper, 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 the, upper, beacon the, the Beacon. The Beacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the I beacon, was supposed yeah. to be there, but I had a Crohn's attack that night. Oh, well, I apologize. Yeah. It's mostly your fault. Yeah. So I uh, I was looking forward to that. And then you, you did you sell out the Paramount? Three nights. Unbelievable. Three Paramount shows. All right. And then we did Count Basie and Red Bank. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Long Island came out. We 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 do. And by the way, never the greatest audience. No, they were good. They Why were so, are they on their phones? What they, are they doing? Well, you just—they're great. Like we had a great. It was fun. But then you go to like a Denver or anywhere else, and you go, oh, f- them. They suck because they're just never going to be as good. The enthusiasm. They're never going to. Be, yeah. They're enthusiastic. They're not attentive. Okay. They're not paying attention to the words. <laughs> so like they like being there. Like what's good about me is I'm loud and I'm like boisterous. Yeah, yeah. So we have a great time. They get it. But like I work hard. Like the, the results are similar to other shows, but the amount of work you have to do as a comedian yes. is much higher there than it would be in even Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. They're humans. Yeah. There's something about Long Island specifically. Yeah, it's in the water. some of the worst comedy oh. audiences in America. <laughs> So uh, go catch Tim on, on Long Island. <laughs> yeah, timdillacomedy.com if you want to see. I have tours. I'm going to be in Nashville and Philly and Baltimore and Denver shooting a special. So timdillacomedy.com if you have any interest. And the pod, and the podcast is, are you doing Monday? What are you doing now? We're all over the place, but we're, 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 we're trying to hit, you know, we're probably going back to Saturdays. You're getting one a week. It's Tim Dillon show on YouTube. You're getting one a week on YouTube, one a week on Patreon. Um, but up until the special taping, which is going to be March, things are going to be a little scrambled. You're still going to get one a week. Yeah. But it may be on a Monday. It may be on a Tuesday. Then when the special is taped, it's free. It's four or five where's, months. Where's the special? Complaining. Where it's free. Well, the special will be probably on YouTube. And it's Spotify. And it's Spotify. And it's free. Substack. People need to let you put it up when you have time to put it up. Well, the reality is we love having a regular day. We're, as soon as the special is shot, we're going back to four or five months having a regular day. I won't be on the road. And then we'll bank episodes. And, you know, but you, you get it within a day, within 24 to 48 hours. It's it's very good. So just enjoy it and Tim, shut up. Tim, you're the man. Thanks so Thank much for, for having through. me. Thank, really you. Thank you, brother. It. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. All right. Slow. Are you worried about, uh, in terms of the uh, crypto, how, how, where do you think the bottom is? you think it's going to really?